Folks, coming up next, we got a great show. We're going to call this one Stall Wolf, Uncovering the Enigma. We've got some exciting news to share with you tonight. A potential discovery that will have to rewrite history. You'll hear all about it. Lawrence DeMello coming up next. Are you ready? Ready to take a ride. Grab your coffee and strap yourself in. If you listen, I can hear God's plan. Because the show is about to begin. You're listening. You're listening to the Omega Man Radio Network. Many excited to hear our next guest on tonight's program. It has been too long. I think it's been a year since we've done our last program, and I apologize for that. Uh, But I am so happy to be back tonight with an acclaimed author, researcher, on many subjects that I love, World War II, Martin Borman. But now we're going to talk tonight about an amazing expedition that Lawrence will be undertaking. And we could use your help to pull this thing off. We'll talk about that later. I'm talking about none other than Lawrence DeMello, Coming to you live from Argentina. Welcome back, Lawrence. Hello, how are you? Thank you for having me back. <laughs> As I've said before, but I'll say again officially, Happy New Year to you and your family. Happy how New is, Year. How Thank are your, you. How are your sons doing? Very well, thank you. They're all busy and well, uh, as they should be. And how are yours? Growing, well, you, I see. You know what? Thank God they're, uh, they're healthy tonight. Uh, and they are growing, Lawrence. Uh, my son I know, Jeremiah. so fast. I see the photographs on Facebook, and I'm like, whoa, when was that? You know, I'm not a very uh, tall guy. Sadly, I didn't get the six foot tall. That's just, <laughs> I didn't get it. I pray for it, but, you know, I'm still short. But um, I, um, I'm really hoping that my, uh, my sons will outgrow me. And it um, looks like Jeremiah is off to a good start, so. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, kids are doing good. Uh, we're doing all right. Just holding down the fort here. And um, I'm loving being back in the evening time. We were doing a new schedule for a while, Lawrence. I was doing morning shows and just to try something new for about six months. But I realized I like the evening programs. And uh, so we're back officially now Monday through Friday, 7 p.m. Eastern start time till we finish. And uh, so welcome back, everybody. Um Lawrence, where shall we begin? We've got a lot to talk about. Where do you want to start? Well, it's a, it's a long story, isn't it, really? So I, I, I tend to sort of get um, dragged into these wonderful <laughs> plots. Um, and I think you probably know, I worked for quite a long time with Abel Basti. I don't know if your listeners are familiar with Abel. Abel is... Um, a really good journalist. He was also a newspaper editor here in Argentina and um, very good researcher. And he probably was the first person of this generation to delve into the to Odessa and Dispine and the rat lines to Argentina. And of course, him being on the ground here, um, there's nothing like boots on the ground. And also being working for a big newspaper at the time, um, he managed to access a lot of archives. And he was actually, he knew um, Pripke, who was living in Bariloche, because that's where Abel lives. So I knew Abel, I can't remember what year it was I met him. I think it was probably 2000. 
three. My God, it's a long time ago, isn't it? And uh, Abel has to date, I could be wrong, written about 11 books on um, Nazi finances, um, escape to Argentina of high-ranking Nazis, etc. So I crossed lots of paths with him. So initially, he was focused always, as you know, on the Hitler subject. And I was focused more on Odessa and also on Martin Borman. Are you still there? Because it looks a bit strange, oh, the yes. screen. Yeah, we're alive and okay. coming through good. No, that's good. Um, so um, we we crossed paths and we became friends and he would come and stay with me because it's a long way away, you know. I mean, people, mind you, I'm talking to somebody from the US. The US is enormous. And me coming from Britain, that tiny group of islands, you know, we're tiny. So... Um, it's a long way to Bariloche where he lives. I think it's about three and a half thousand kilometers, which if you're in Europe, you cross Europe and get home as well in that. Um, so what happened? Abel, for many, many years, um, as I say, I was focused on Bormann. He was focused on Hitler. And I have no strong opinions on that. And also because me being um, staying on the safe line of journalism, being um with my press credentials, etc., which are very important, there are certain things that I can and I can't touch, not because I'm too chicken to touch them. The point is, if I lose my possibility of crossing that line, whether it's uh, going to a press conference or whatever, so sometimes I have to play the game just to keep everything moving it's because you get completely shut down there's no point in it so although i did sort of go awol some years ago i think i told you a while about this with a journalist friend of mine we were the two only journalists in the united kingdom at the time that discussed 9-11 and we got completely trashed for it because we went out there and we spoke about it what our concerns were about the at the time so abel and i would cross lines and he was really focused and and probably about 15 years ago, he kept talking to me about submarines and submarines. And I have to be, even though my father was submariner, I think you know that, Royal Naval yes. Submariner. So I'm a real, I'm a, I'm a submarine, I'm a Navy brat. Um, I wasn't focused on it. And he kept going on about these coordinates and these uh, U-boats, basically flotillas, which these steel wolves coming down here. So I wasn't particularly focused on that. But probably about five years ago, it was heating up that conversation with Abel. And he said, Lawrence, you know, I've got these coordinates and I have to find, I have to get down there. And it's, it's very easy. You find the coordinate of a possible vessel. But then getting actually down there is a whole different story. So um, we were getting to about three years ago and he came back to me with these coordinates that he discussed of this vessel and um he said i'm going to focus on this i said that's that's really really good but the now i have to go off on a tangent here in 1996 um menem carlos menem who was the president of argentina at the time he was uh kettled into doing an investigation on possibly u-boats coming to Argentina. Now, we know two U-boats came here in 1945, as you know, the famous 977 and 533, and they turned up in Mar del Plata and supposedly surrendering. 
I think it was in July and um, my brain's not very good on getting all the dates together because there's too much information. Um, and they supposedly surrendered and they were, um, they waved the flag and they were the, the equipage, the uh, crew were taken into the custody of the Argentines. Now we're going to have to go another sidestep to another onion skin. We have to remember that Argentina was officially neutral through most of World War Two, right? And the president at the beginning of forty, I think it was Ortiz, he was actually pro into creating a non-belligerent alliance with the Allies. So basically, they wouldn't participate in action, but what they would do, they would support um, the Allies with whether it's refueling, with strategic needs, logistics, etc., etc., and also not be entertaining of the Nazi forces. And that's so that's what happened. But he was completely attacked for that because at the time, Argentina was very anti-British because the British had set up here the schools, the banking, the economy. They took the best of everything, but then when they got everything, they didn't want us. They were very anti-British in that moment in 1940. So Ortiz was bullied and he had to resign. He was ill anyway. So they said, absolutely not. We are not going to become involved in the uh, with the Allies, not even as a non-belligerent ally. And we're comp staying completely neutral. Now we know what the story is about that. Now, People get confused because they talk about Peron. Peron was not president until October, uh, till 1946. But he was Ministry of War at a certain half of the, during the conflict uh, of uh, the World War II. So anyway, going back to Abel, um, because of all these movements and what had happened and because there was a lot of pro-Nazi sentiment in Argentina, And you can see rallies um, in the late 1930s and then early 1940s in Buenos Aires. Even the Vatican priests here all sort of saluting high Hitler. So when they talk about neutrality, they were not hiding the fact where their, their heart was. And that was aligned with Germany. Um, so come forward to now when we talk about the... Um, submarines coming down here, it is criticized, uh, well, I should say that people like myself are criticized or colleagues that if we suggest that there were um, um, fleets of U-boats coming down to Argentina, it's a myth. Another conspiracy theorist, it's rubbish. It didn't happen. Because remember, there were, we're at the bottom of the world here. We're far away from a theatre of war. So rightly so, you say, well, why would the Germans be utilising resources such as U-boats thousands of miles away from where they really need to be? So um, in 1996, um, Carlos Menem was pushed in to do this investigation. It was a, it was a classified investigation and they called it Operation Calypso, which is interesting because that's the name of was the boat of Jacques Cousteau, if you remember. Do you remember Jacques Cousteau? Yes. Um, his boat was Calypso, and he also was very interested in this story of boats down here. 
So what happened? Carlos Menon instigated this investigation. Uh, I don't know the exact details. Nobody, well, we don't know, but what the exact details were, was why that operation was put into um, um, into being. So during that, they came across multiple um, wrecks along the Argentine coast. And there were coordinates registered within these um, classified files and they remained unregistered. Now, under maritime law, I think it's international, it stands, that if you find a wreck tomorrow, um, you can dive, you can do that, but you have to report it because a, a wreck is, in fact, a crime scene. It's irrelevant how the wreck got down there. And it has to be treated as a crime scene. So depending in the waters in which it is found, that nation has to take responsibility to instigate and open an inquest into that wreck. So and that's why on international maps you see all the wrecks charts and where they are. Now, the ones that are found, they have to be reported. Now, in Argentina, there's a law here that when you report that, now Abel Basti reported one of these wrecks, which wasn't registered in 19, sorry, in 2022. And um, they ignored him initially, but then he pushed for it and then they recognised it. Now, under the law, the Argentine government should open an inquest and they have to alert the judiciary. They, and a judge has to oversee the inquest, which must be financed and conducted by that government. So in last year, um, they sent down some on one of these coordinates, which Abel uh, retrieved from some files, which you can imagine what those files were, because the results of the Operation Calypso remained classified. And... Abel had written various times to the Ministry of Defence under Freedom of Information asking for those files. And we have the documents stating the responses from them saying, we're very, very sorry, but these are these vessels that are not supposed to be there. They have to remain, inverted commas, a military secret. Well, one has to take from that what it will be. Why would these vessels be a military secret? So... They sent down 12 tactical divers. Now, what's interesting about that, they just sent them willy-nilly. They spent $300,000 and they sent down these tactical divers, but they didn't have a plan. Now, I found out that when they went, they didn't have a lead um, coordinator that was going to say, OK, guys, you're going to go down on this wreck. You're going to take pictures of it from that bit to that bit. We're going to do panoramic shots and we're going to have some sort of sense of what we're looking at. Now, first of all, in the waters where this wreck was found, and it, if you Google it, um, we're not saying it's a Nazi submarine. We don't know what it is. So, But if you Google Nazi submarine Argentina, you'll see lots of news articles that come up in nineteen uh, in 2022. God, 19. There must be <laughs> I'm in a time warp. <laughs> Me too. Can't believe it. Yeah, yeah. Not well, uh, yeah, because my head is in 1945. This is why. So um, they went down. Um, Abel, as the reporter, was given some sort of 
insider information because he was the person that reported the wreck and he was given the information by a fisherman. But basically, he made the report and he was entitled to have an update on this inquest of this vessel. Um, what happened? They go down there, they take the pictures now. It's in a very, very difficult area for diving. It's not particularly deep, but because it's sometimes it's safer, it's better to deep dive in deeper water because you don't get all that movement but because the position the way the tides are and the temperatures are moving and the mud and everything so it's a very very difficult area to go down let alone send down roves or so uh, roves you know uh, remote operated vehicles so they went down very murky images but there is absolutely no method to how they have taken this supposed inquest. When the shots were brought back, um, Abel asked, he was released some of this information. And all of a sudden, now what the job is, they're supposed to come back with like, this is so-and-so wreck. Where does it come from? It's owned by that, that nation. And then they have to investigate it as a crime scene. Exactly what was it? Who, whose flag was it carrying? How many people were on board? On what circumstances it's, it sunk? Was it scuttled? Was it bombed? Was it whatever it is? And that is all part of the investigation, just like any crime scene. Well, they didn't do their job and they shut it down. So they shut this down, but the information which Basti retrieved because of his position of the person that reported it, he then brought the footage, the images, the dimensions, and the little that they had, and he sent it to two independent um, specialists, forensic. It's the equivalent of a coroner would be in a murder, but these guys work on, on shipwrecks. And one was the president and the director of the Commission for Naval engineers in Argentina, a very qualified man. And the other one to do the report, to, to make a report on the findings was Dr. Fabio Bisciotti, who is from the Lega um, Italiana. Um, he's a maritime attorney, but he's also a technical diver. He's brilliant. And he also is engaged frequently by the United States Pentagon and the Royal Navy to identify either downed aircraft or vessels throughout the world from World War One and World War Two. So he knows his stuff. Both chaps know what they're doing. Um, just checking, are you still alive? <laughs> oh, yes, and this is very fascinating. We're live with Lawrence DeMello. Please keep going. If I go... If I go off on tangents, Shannon, you have to rope me in, no, you understand? So, uh, because I, I have to apologize to the audience, I sort of go off a little bit. I love all um, the extra information. Keep going. This is great. Can I just ask you a question? Do yes. you have any of your listeners on your chat thingy that you used to have? Oh, yes. We have a mix on our chat. Absolutely. So, if anybody's got any questions when I'm at a certain point, do interrupt, yeah? Okay. Do interrupt. That's, Fair enough. That, that, if that's okay with you, Shannon, yeah? Absolutely. If they want to ping... Um, they might say, well, what was that? So um, utilizing, there were about 12 coordinates that came from the Operation Calypso. 
Now, I'm not saying who has those coordinates or not, but all I'm saying is there were about 12 and they were considered anomalies, okay, metallic anomalies. Well, they're pretty anomal if they're sort of 80 metres in length, okay? So um, when the inquest of 2022, uh, 2021, it, it, it should have initiated, but they went down in the water in... Um, uh, in the last two years, and it was shut down. Abel at that point sent these two chaps all the images and they prepared reports. The reports came back, although they cannot be absolute definitive, they came back that this does not look like a surface vessel. And also within the images, they believed that they identified what looked like a coning tower and also... Um, an attack periscope, which was sort of floating around a little bit, that we've got images of that. And some of those images were released in the in the world's press. Um, so now you have to go and say, right, how many people own submarines? Not everybody does. And who owns submarines if this is World War Two? So we're just assuming World War Two because this wreck is not registered. Now, Argentina... In during World War Two, now ah, oh, I have to go back again now. Now throughout World War Two, they're neutral, but strangely enough, about two months before the end of the war, nineteen forty-five, Argentina become on board with the Allies. Okay, now they join the Allies. Now remember, they were, have very strong Nazi sentiment, and. They join the, the, they become allied to the US, Yukusa, um, and they're with us supposedly. So now they're all anti Nazi. And remember, there were supposedly movements of these subs coming to South America. So we're, Abel's assuming, who could these submarines belong to? Now, during World War II, the only submarines that, um, Argentina ever had were on loan by the United States of America. So, and we know where they are. Everybody knows where they were and what happened to them. The two subs that surrendered in Argentina um, in 1945 after their, I mean, a long, long trip. I mean, you should have seen the state of those boats when they turned up in Mar del Plata. Um, as I say, they were intercepted by the Americans and the British. The British took them the crew for debriefing we haven't been able to get those debriefing documents the tra the 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 um papers from that and the two vessels were taken by the usa as excuse me as america takes all the booty of war and they were taken back and we know what happened to them they were both used in torpedo and explosive training and both of them were taken back to the usa so we know it's not them so who could possibly own these submarines? The Brits haven't lost any down here. The Americans haven't lost any down here. So there's only one other person they could belong to, right? Who is it? Germany. Right. So what does one do? Now, when, um, when a vessel is found um, and it still hasn't got an owner, it's not like it's a Spanish galleon, it's a British man of war, they still don't know who this belongs to because the Argentine government didn't do their job. So Abel wanted to get together an expedition to 
dive and investigate this wreck. But in order to do so, even though you have to get lots of permits and permissions, whatever, you still need to make sure that there is no rightful owner out there, because then you would have to approach the rightful owner and say, would you mind if I go and dive down on your vessel because I want to go and explore it or I want to go and investigate it? So what did they do? These two reports, which were really quite compelling, were sent to the Bundeswehr, the Ministry of Defence in Germany, by Abel Basti, all through very formal channels. And they came back to him and they said, well, sorry, but you need to go through the, you have to go, first of all, through the ambassador in Buenos Aires, the German ambassador the Buenos Aires. So he sent them and could you all very official registered the reports? Could you please tell us what your feelings are on this? And do you claim ownership of this vessel? So no response. Um, he wrote back to the Bundeswehr. No, you must speak to the ambassador back and forth. Eight months of silence on this, these reports that went. So this takes us now to, I think, March 2022. Yeah, uh, March 2022. So um, Abel said to me, he was frustrated. And I said, well, we have to find a way to dislodge this stalemate with the uh, German Foreign Office and he said they're not going to answer they're not going to answer and I said well okay well I've got a little idea so what I did you see that the advantage of having credentials is with a girlfriend of mine um, who helped me organize it through the mail group which is a very big because I don't work in print journalism for a long long time and we know the North American editor for the mail group and had a chat with her. She's a lovely girl. And she said, oh, my God, this is a great story. So I said, why don't we do a story? And I will go and get lots of nice exclusive interviews. And that way I will contact the German ambassador and say, well, ambassador, I am going to do this article for this newspaper in the United Kingdom. I would very much appreciate that you would reply to the communications that Mr. Basti and are you responding or not? Because it's eight months you haven't done that. So basically it was a little bit of arm twisting and to say, well, you know, if you don't answer, it doesn't look very good because it's a vacation of diplomatic <laughs> duties in a way, because a diplomatic mission, that's what they're there for. And to answer things like this. So, um, I did put a little bit of pressure on only because I'd already confirmed with the Daily Mail I was going to do this article. But the whole point was it was to dislodge the um, the block with the response from the embassy. And they did not want to go out in the Daily Mail article um, where I write in there, well, eight months, the German ambassador or the foreign office of Germany have refused to respond to Mr. Abel Basti's um, forensic reports that have been sent to them, whether they uh, accept or deny ownership of this vessel. Well, within 24 hours. Wow. Because Abel, Abel said to me, they're not going to answer. And I said, yes, they will, because they will not want to be exposed in a big mainstream newspaper. Now, I need to go off 
a little bit here. When I contacted, uh, when I first spoke to the the editor, who I know well uh, for lots of years, and she said, oh, my God, this is a wonderful, wonderful story. Who can you get? So what I did, I said to Abel, I'm going to go and get to make it juicy for them. I have to go and get some other bits and pieces because they don't just want a conspiracy piece. So I tracked down the director of the Simon Wiesenthal Center for Latin America, Dr. Ariel Gelblum. Now, he never wanted anything to do with Abel Basti because they all thought Abel's a little bit of a conspiracy theory. You know how it is. They all get a bit, like, nervous. And um, I did the same thing with Dr. Ariel Gelblum, and I spoke to him, he's a charming man, and I said, look, I need a response from you about this vessel, about their non-response from the government, etc. And he said, well, I can't. I said, well, it's not going to look very good. Simon Wiesenthal Center. And I said, and how much money, how many, how much do you take every year in donations? I mean, originally right. it was for, it was around Nazi hunting. So I would really appreciate Aria. We were on WhatsApp level by then. Let me make it clear. He was very, very helpful. I want to be very clear. He was extremely helpful. And he said to me, okay, Lawrence, I'll do it. And I said, thank you very much, because it's very important, because you need to put pressure on the Argentine government. We need to know what this vessel is, and we need to let it know that we are being squashed. So I got Ariel. I got about three senators from the Argentine Senate that were all, and some other paperwork, and gave exclusive information to the Mail on Sunday. Now, when I came back with this really sexy article for the Mail on Sunday, uh, okay, I was told, oh, my God, this should be a feature. Now, a feature goes on to about 2.5, 3,000 words. So, and I said, that's great for the magazine. Okay, that's all really good. I didn't really care about the article. I cared about pushing the ambassador. And, of course, yes. straight away he answers. He answers. And his email was very interesting but he knew who I was writing the article for in the next. It was going into publication within a week because it was a time-sensitive situation. So um, are you understanding all of this? Am oh, I yes. going off a little bit? No, this is great. Keep going. Okay. So because um, it's just like you and I sitting on the sofa, isn't it, really, That's having right. a glass of wine, having <laughs> <laughs> a chat. So um, I get it all together, he writes back the ambassador, not the ambassador, a chap from the foreign office, because, oh, and I have, I don't know if I should mention, actually, I shouldn't mention that. Um, that's a bit too much. So I get this email, and they write to me. Ah, uh, Abel pings me, and he says, oh, I can't believe it, I just got an email from the foreign office. And then ping, then I got one. So what, they're so crafty. So what they did, they wrote to me and they said, uh, Mr. Mello, just so you know, we have responded to Abel Basti because they had to do that to me because I was the journalist. They don't know my relationship with him. So they obviously didn't want me to write that they, and they said, no, actually we have replied. They didn't mention in my email that they replied 20 minutes before. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we were, I said, oh, thank you so much. And in the email to me, they actually write, it is n the submarine. They actually put submarine is not German. Oh. Okay. So they don't say vessel. 
they actually said, whether that's a Freudian slip or whatever, I never said it was a submarine. I wrote to them and said about the vessel, and I gave them about 30 questions. I mean, it was quite heavy duty, the email I sent, you know, answer this, can you answer that, can you answer this, can you answer that? And, um, yeah, I'm going to tell you. So I have certain things that I know how many times my emails are opened, and that email that I sent was opened about 72 times. Amazing. So, obviously, they were like, oh, what are we going to do? We have to respond. They can't so a lot of people. Ours. Now, yeah. <laughs> now, there could be, we have to mention, first of all, there could be two reasons. Good. It could be, you know, one automatically immediately assumes, oh, could they be saying it's not ours because they're trying to cover up the entire story of the possibility of lots of U-boats coming down here, etc., etc. Or Harry gave me some very good information on this because I discussed it with him um, when I was having this this stuff going on with the embassy. And he gave me some very good information. He said, well, Lawrence, there's another reason why maybe that Germany would deny if it was a German, if it was a German vessel and if it was a German submarine is because of this massive ship, the Blucher, that went down in a Norwegian fjord. I think it was in 1942 or 43. Don't quote me on that. Um, but apparently she went down in there, obviously during the war. And in the 90s or the late 80s, she started to leak thousands and thousands and thousands of gallons of junk and gunk and whatever it is they use, diesel, in this beautiful fjord. So the Norwegian government approached the now German government and they said, you, you need to come and clear up this crap down here. You know, this is your boat. And they said, it's not ours. They said, well, yes, it is. The Blucher is a German warship. And they said, no, because it belonged to the Nazi government. We are not the same government. So they oh. uh, basically, yeah. So think about that. Now, if there are 30 U-boats scattered around the coast and if there are 30 U-boats scattered around the coast carrying uranium oxide then we've got another story haven't we? Oh so, yes Right, now let's go back to the newspaper so when I got the response, because the editor kept pinging me and I said oh I've got an answer from you, she said I'll ask them again, ask them again, ask them again and they answered so I had this beautiful article. Um, the article can be the original copy. As I, when I say beautiful, not beautiful because I wrote it, or it was beautiful. What I was saying it was in the in the in the re, the realms of what one needs in an article. It was all in there. Great exclusive um, commentary, um, quotes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, a nice story, an update, and of course we put in there the ambassador. Okay, so um, the editor said to me, yeah, we're going to a feature, so extend it. So I extended it to two, I think it was 2,800 words. And then we're waiting to publish because I needed this to go out. Um, delay, delay. Well, to cut long story short, this article, which they knew was time sensitive, which the um, North American head of Bureau of the Mail Group was like jumping for it. 
and London was starting to stall. So uh, I said, well, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? Well, we don't know. Can we put it off till next week? And I said, it's time sensitive. We can't go another week because I needed to get this out because I had lots of information. And not only that, I had also sucked information from sources who I told them I was going to put it out on certain dates, right? And they were coordinating, oh, we've got this article coming out. It wasn't coming out. Eventually, it came out almost a month late. So I got, but the night before, I get a phone call from the um, North American editor saying, They've had a bit of a problem because this is all going on when Prince Charles was coming and, and whatever, uh, uh, becoming king, etc. Uh, we've got a problem. We have to cut it down. It's no longer a feature. It's just going to be a smaller article. I said, OK, fine, whatever. But could you just get the thing out there? So I'm not in the United Kingdom and I asked somebody over there, I think a girlfriend of mine, could you go in the morning and go and pick up the papers because this is the print stuff? And uh, could you go and get the magazine and go and get the mail on Sunday? And then, of course, it would go out in the Daily Mail, both in the paper edition and also in the digital edition. So she gets the photographs. She sends it back to me. It's quite funny. She said, oh, it's quite smart because you went straight under Kate Blanchard <laughs> on one of these pages. And I said, OK, that's nice. But what does it say? And I couldn't read it, but I could see it was only a small. It was probably like a three or three hundred word article well when i read it i have to tell you i was in shock now it's got my byline on it now for the listeners who don't know what a byliner is it's literally that article by and it was by lawrence de mello in buenos aires now that's very important for a journalist because it's not about just getting your credit it's about credibility because whatever in that article has been attributed to you what you're writing, what your belief is, and what you're putting out there. Right. Well, let me tell you, they removed all the quotes. They removed the Simon Wiesenthal quote. They removed the senator's quotes. They removed basically everything that was important. Oh, my goodness. And they inserted, they inserted a quote from a professor in the United Kingdom who I have never spoken to, who gave a quote basically discrediting this, like basically it's ridiculous that anybody could imagine that U-boats went down there. So the article had been hack-jobbed to the point where it looked like I was discrediting all the people that were my sources and the entire story. Well, I was in shock. And I called one of my girlfriends and I said, what is going on here? She said, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I was so annoyed, I contacted my attorneys at the British Association Journalist that they hacked it. And she went through the law and they said, well, you know, I went back through the small print. And, you know, the editors are allowed today to, to amend an article. But yes, they can amend or cut down an article, but they cannot substitute copy and sabotage your copy to the point. But I didn't want to go down that line. I left it because that's what I'm saying. I have to keep certain relationships going. So basically that article was destroyed. So what did I do? I'm in fallout now. Not only that, I have to get this stuff out there because also I realize somebody was shutting me down and I 
I can't say, but I have some ideas how that happened. Probably some phone calls were made, blah, 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 to stop that going out. Now, what I did through, um, I immediately got onto the uh, South Atlantic News Agency and they printed the copy in full. It's called Medical Press. Uh, and they printed the copy and I said, please don't. No, 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 no. We'll put exactly everything. They were marvelous. And I said, you do not touch a hair on that article and you get it out and you can find it. And in fact, um, if you put the two articles side by side, what the real copy was, which went out on medical press and what went out on the Daily Mail and the Mail on Sunday, they are completely two different articles different amazing Uh, so you have to ask why would that happen now if you are let's forget how the mainstream media is controlled by whoever but if you're a legitimate newspaper editor on what reason would you destroy an article that it's got all the things you want. It's got exclusive quotations from name people. I mean, this is the director of the Simon Wiesenthal Center. Okay. And in that, he's saying, we need to know the Argentine government are covering this up. We have an obligation to know the truth. You know, I mean, it's all in there. It's, 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 it was completely sound, the article. Why would you take all the good bits out? Right. It's like the chicken. You take all the best bits off the chicken and you just give them the bones and the parson's nose. It doesn't make sense. Well, it does make sense, but it doesn't in the real world of honest um, journalism. Okay. So I realized then, now we need to discuss at this point, the D notice. Now, are you aware what a D notice is? No, uh, ma'am. What is, what is okay. a D notice? It's a defense notice. Now, what this was, this was something, I don't know if they use it, they probably do in the USA, but in, in Great Britain, it's an advisory notice that comes from the Ministry of Defense to um, editors, news editors. Now, in 90, let's say going back to the war, they were there even in, in, in World War One as well, they used the defense notice. Now, an editor, what because we didn't have the advantages then it was print press and that's all people got or they went to the cinema as you know maybe once a week if they were lucky with threepence and watch the newsreels you know they used to go and watch news there that's how they got them um so um the defense notice it would for example um like golding you know i'm still doing this book on commander golding so i found out there's a defense notice on him that means he became such a valuable asset to the um british defense uh, and intelligence services so while he was in the newspapers initially he was then doing something that was so important the Ministry of Defence would write an advisory notice to the editors and say, chaps, would you be so kind? Do not mention Commander Golding again in the newspapers. He has to go off radar. And they say, yes, sir, of course. Now, it's not an order. It's an advisory. But nobody is going to go against the Ministry of Defence advice to a newspaper. So that's the D notice. Now, I believe there is something there might be a notice on this story now there are reasons for this anyway so where are we 
Abel. So we got the block lifted because Abel got what he needed, which was they said it's not ours. Um, so at that point, there was no uh, legal claimant coming forward. So he could then make his applications to the Prefecture Naval, the Naval Prefecture, to get his licenses to go down and investigate. Now, they also then blocked him on that. And that was another thing that I helped him um, with initially because journalists are, are, are entitled to have access to certain stories and things unless it's completely covert uh, classified information. So, and he's also a journalist and he was saying they weren't going to allow him to do this and that. So that was another case of putting pressure on offices. And then finally he was free to get together his expedition. Now I wasn't part of the expedition to start with because I was doing other things. And he brought together a really fantastic team with another chap, a great chap actually, but uh, unfortunately we've gone our separate ways. And uh, they decide to bring together an expedition to go and investigate these uh, vessels. And at a certain point, I was brought on board. And um, for whatever reason, I have now had to take over this expedition. That's another story, um, which is a big responsibility. So now we have to find out what this is now. There have been some suggestions by the experts that maybe this vessel, there are various vessels, but the one vessel which I have set up a campaign for to, it's not the dive, it's the initial recce where you send down, you get sonar images and you send down a remote operated vehicle um, to gather certain information to in preparation of for a human dive. And those human dives can't take place now until at least December this year because the conditions are very difficult uh, for diving. So um, we have to set up this thing. Now, I have been approaching networks because I thought the way to finance the expedition was to do a documentary because also I'm a producer. So it makes sense, doesn't it, to take the public along with you to do this thing. But to be honest, I'm finding a lot of cold feet when it comes to this topic. Okay. So we have to be very careful where we look for our financing. So this has got nothing to do with the film or the documentary. This is legitimate scientific data that is needed. Now, we have a couple of opinions that they believe, particularly um, uh, this engineer from the former president of the Commission of Naval Maritime Engineers in Argentina, that he thinks they might have dropped a dredge on top of it. And the reason being for this wreck, which is not too far off the coastline and it's in an area which is close to one of the biggest ports in South America and now today with the technology and the advance in side sonars and multi um, sonar scans they, they have that they, they see everything when they go through the water now and it's all picked up and it's all recorded and it's amazing that this was not registered until Abel Basti insists that this wreck was registered and now it is officially registered. But why was it that there were so many reports 
of this thing underneath the water that's 80 meters long um, that it wasn't actually registered because it could be a risk to shipping. So um, the plan is now is to send a sonar down there and a rove down there independently. Uh, I don't have the means to finance it. And to be honest, we ran out of, uh, our, and you know me, I, I've always been self-financed like yourself. Um, I've always been a lone wolf when it comes to my research and investigations because it's proved to be the best way to do it. And the ones that helped me before, they've all long gone because they were all from that generation. So um, my plan is I've set up um, a, a GoFundMe campaign to cover the cost of the um, sonar team, the professional sonar team, now Rove team. Now, the reason I have to use professionals, because we can say, oh, it's easy, just rent the sonar and whatever, because when we, we need this imagery to be able to have official reports uh, attached to it. So unless somebody is actually qualified and registered as a professional um, uh, rove and sonar operator down here as an engineer, I'm not going to get those reports and we need those reports. So um, I want to cover the cost of getting a fantastic team that I found, but they're actually based in Tierra de Fuego. And what they do is a fantastic engineer with his team and their students. So we've got them at a good price. And they go down and investigate um, cracks on these massive ships, cruise ships that go down to Antarctica, etc. And he gets down in the water and goes underneath. I can't think of anything more creepy than going underneath the propellers of a ship that big uh, while uh, the, it got everybody on board. Because I'd be saying, don't turn it on. <laughs> don't put the props on when I'm down here. I mean, it's terrifying. But anyway, um, so got this team together we also have to hire the vessel very expensive it's amazing to think that you have such a large nation as argentina and so much coastline and you cannot find boats down here for love or money it's ridiculous so the plan is we need to this is phase two so i call it star wolf mission two so i've set up a gofundme um page now i know lots of people today Lots of people can hardly afford to put food on their plate. I've been there, done it, got the T-shirt. So, um, and that's why I came to you, not for money. And I don't want money from your people that are struggling. Absolutely not. That is not what this is about. But there are lots of people out there that could bung in 20 quid, $5, whatever, and it will all add up and we can get this thing done. Now, if we don't get this data next month, um there are two things that can there are actually there are more than two things that could happen they know we're on this they could shut us down they could i don't know do anything they could drag it dredge it there are all sorts of things that can happen so we need to get down there and get this data we do have other coordinates um but they are in areas which will need a decompression chamber to dive. Now, I have the most fantastic dive team that have been standing with us for the last nine months. And I have two of the leading, uh, world's leading women technical divers. Am I allowed to say women? <laughs> Absolutely. 
I, I read their bio. <laughs> real women, real women, beautiful women. Uh, wonderful. And in fact, on the GoFundMe page under their names, um, I've put links on there that people can go and have a little look at them. They're marvelous girls. And they're also ambassadors for the Explorers Club of New York. They're World Dive Ambassadors. They're also sponsored by Rolex. Um, and these girls are marvelous. And then we have Dr. Fabio Bisciotti, which is the forensic diver who works for the Pentagon. Well, he's a consultant in the Royal Navy. And his right hand, um, Alex Alucino, who's Italian. Both the boys are Italians. They will not be going on this um, phase. But I would like to ideally, if I can raise the funds, fly Fabio over so he can direct the sonars as they need to be directed. Because the conversations I've had with him, he said to me, Lawrence, the problem is what the Argentine Naval Prefecture should have done, they should have sent uh, a forensic dive, um, you know, to to coordinate it with the divers to say, right, I want you to start here. You need to go here. I want you to go from left and right and whatever. They took pictures from the sonars with their cell phones. So the sonar images were not even recorded. They were taking them on their cell phones. I mean, it was just so ridiculous. It's embarrassing. But it seems almost like they wanted it to be embarrassing. They wanted it to be a failure. Yes. And that that inquest has never, ever been done but we're now we have something wonderful that happened here in south america the peronist government are out for the first time in oh yes glory we have this amazing eccentric but brilliant economist new president uh xavier millet and he does not have any hairs on his tongue and people say he's a lunatic no he's not he's had enough And he said, we're getting rid of the thieves, the crooks, the criminals and whatever. Now, it's great that he's on board because that gives me a little bit more confidence in what we're doing. Because I have to tell you, we've had some tricky things. And in fact, one of the reasons that the original team of the expedition split is because I protested to certain people that were brought in, which should not have been brought in. And they were actually aligned with the very agency that want to cover this up, which is just madness. So um, I'm there. I have a fantastic team. um, And we're trying to do this. Um, But these vessels down here. Now, if Calypso, Abel wrote to the, as I said to you, to get the FOIA information to see whether he could be released with this information. Now, they have not put these coordinates on the official uh, registry of vessels. So they're officially unregistered. He managed to get one of them done, and that's the one that we're going in. But we do have coordinates of other vessels. And if we get the data we need from this, um, then we can probably be more successful for what we want to do for the other ones, the big ones, you know. So this is basically going to be our letter of credit to say, look, look at this, look at that. Now, the other reason that this needs to be done is because the vessel is very down in the mud 
and we think her propellers may be in the mud. Now, there are two ways to identify, apart from the physical, the anatomy of the, if this was a submarine, um, but the actual identification is important. So even if it proves to be a submarine, that's not enough. One needs to know what kind of submarine, what period it's from, and who owns it. And there are two ways to do identify that. On the propellers, they have a serial number, and also in the engine room, there are serial numbers. So these are all the things that need to be found out what's there, what's not there, to make it safe as well for the divers to go down at a later date. And it's a very difficult dive. It's a dangerous dive. And the big dives will be, obviously, the intention is to film the whole lot. Everything has to be filmed and documented. And we want to take everybody along with us because not only that, by taking everybody along with us, it's our safety card. Yeah? Yes. So um, that's very, very important. Now, um, questions, because I've gone off. There are lots of things oh, that we've got is, missing from this here. This is awesome. We're live with Lawrence DeMillo talking about upcoming expedition. Codenamed Stall Wolf, which means still wolf, to find out what is down there on the seabed. The German embassy has denied that it is their quote unquote submarine. We understand now why they would have said that in all likelihood, uh, because it's somebody's submarine and they are stating essentially, well, uh, we don't have a submarine currently under our current government that was operating down there. Okay, so we, we read through the lines on that. Um, here's my question for you. Do you have any idea how many feet down this uh, particular wreck is? Yes, yes, we do know. We know how deep she is. She's not that deep. She's less than 50 meters. Oh, my goodness. So um, a person can actually yeah. uh, not only dive down there, but you can send uh, um, a submersible down Explosive. there, et cetera right oh yeah 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 absolutely um now um there was something i was going to mention to you uh which is quite important the people say well how is it uh, what's so important about this this is very important now when argentina then became allies um you would think that they would step up their coastal uh, patrol right the right. coastal forces should be stepped up now, within so within two months of the end of the war, they've become allies. But what do they do? As soon now, remember who is the minister of defence at that time was Peron. He was the minister of war. People don't know that. They think he was the president. He wasn't president then. He was very very cushy with a lot of guys that were down here. Lots of Germans that were down here from the thirties that were building up all sorts of things down here. Now, I just want you, I can't talk about too much on here for obvious reasons, and I'll tell you why. It's not to be clever. It's because if I reveal too much information, other people are going to go and do it, and they're going to blow up what we're doing. So some things we can't discuss. Oh, yes. but I think you know what I'm talking about. Um, Absolutely. I just want to say that what, um, because people come in and they're all a little bit ambiguous, but um, you... Um, a mega man knows exactly what I'm talking about. So yes. it's legit what I'm talking about. I sent him some intelligence files today, a couple of pages, that basically the British secret intelligence services knew in 1943 that there were 
convoys or at least U-boats coming back and forth down here bringing stuff. And not only bringing stuff, but they were docking down here in 1943. Now, that's very important, 1943, because they make out it was such a big thing that these two boats came down in 1945 at the end of the war. Now, what happened when the Allied... This is my theory about why Argentina allied in public. I think there was pressure put on them because I do believe that the British and the Americans were involved in these boats coming down here. Now, we know about Paperclip. We know about the All Source mission. Now, the All Source mission started in 1944-1943, and that was a covert operation to gather all the atomic um, stuff that the Germans were doing. Now, in 1945, a U-boat was intercepted on the way to Japan, carrying over a thousand pounds of uranium oxide. Now, we know that they were carrying this stuff. And what is uranium oxide used for? Everybody, we know. So, the atomic programs, okay? So, yes. you got to have that who ingredient. Was, got to have that in there. Now, Argentina, Peron, was fascinated by, just like Churchill was, although he was much cleverer than Peron. Peron was fascinated with atomic energy. And towards the end of the war... They even had Richter down here, remember? Um, they brought Richter down at the, at the end of the war. He was a German scientist, and he was supposed to work on the Argentine uh, atomic program. Now, I don't. this is all a bit out there. This is very, very important, because when I was discussing with Fabio, uh, it's Fabio, Dr. Pichotti, very nice chap. You're all going to love him if we get this thing done. Um, we were talking about the possibility could this, because I said we've got to get Geiger counters down there on the dive, what do we need, because I was trying to work out the budget for the dive, the Geiger counters and we say, yeah, of course, yeah, we've got the Geiger counters and we took it a little bit further and he said to me we need to investigate incidents of cancer in that area and I said, oh, that's a good idea he contacted a friend of ours and I did the research here that area on that town where that vessel is that we don't know what it is that has had a dredge dropped on it oh, wow. to hide it um, has the highest rate of breast cancer in the whole of Argentina. Oh my goodness. Now, they may not be related. They may not. This could be complete coincidence, but it's something we decided to have a look at. Yes. Right? Now, we know that they were carrying stuff, these boats. Now, we know these boats were down here. Now, I sent a document to Shannon today that proves British intelligence interrogated a German Argy spy in 1943, and he not only drew maps of where these boats were coming, but also that they were bringing stuff down here. And this interrogation was in 1943. And within those documents, he talks about how they were preparing to transport goods, bonds, all sorts of stuff in the case that Germany was going to lose the war. This was in 1943. Amazing. Yet the official narrative is when we talk about, you know, um, U-boat flotillas down here that we're all crazy. It didn't happen. 
like in the article of the mail that professor who inserted his quote that you know it's ridiculous this could never possibly oh the chances of that's ridiculous when the sis knew that they were here in 1943 we also have another map that was uh, a Kriegsmarine map it was drawn in the 20s and then they put updates on it and we have a 1944 updated map that came from a cartographer who's working with us that there is a section near within five kilometers of where this vessel is and it actually says in German submarine training area wow why was there a submarine training area marked out on a map in 1944? Yes. Next, when... Uh, I know this is all a little bit spattered. No, this is good. On the Keep it coming. Okay. When Argentina then allied, what was the first thing they do? Now, we have um, the team, the expedition team and researchers brought together documentation... And there is a um, enigma message that we have. And the enigma message is sent to two agents that are in the area on the Argentine coast saying, get ready, make preparations. The crocodile is still waiting. What is the crocodile that was waiting to come in? Now, wait for it. This is happening after... Argentina are allied with us. But what did they do the moment the alliance was settled after a couple of days? The Ministry of Defense and Parent Office sent a communique to the Coastal Guard and told them to stand down. We have that document. Amazing. Why, why would the minister, who is now allied to us be telling the coastal guard to stand down basically allowing these guys to come in now on some of the within the one of the reports some of the metal fatigue seen because you just got close-up images of the metal got no absolute overall imagery of what it was but there was a comment made by one of the forensic experts that there looked to be damage to this metal that looks like internal explosive that's not external, not coming from outside like a torpedo or something but something internal outward and that suggests scuttling now scuttling was a way for them like the Grasby he scuttled the Grasby uh, Lansdorf uh, the wonderful um, battleship that went down in, in uh, Mar de Plata which is also related to this because we have also discovered that there was actually a central Nazi intelligence agency here at a ranch not far from where this vessel is off the coast and they had double landing strip you've seen the pictures haven't you Shannon I've sent oh, it yes. to you the double landing strip okay and um, they were also had a very big Nazi intelligence base there. This is supposed to be neutral Argentina. Now, here's the point. Now, if the British knew about all of this stuff in 1943, why is it still there today? When I say still there today, the agents are not there. 
But why are the tunnels there, the base markings there, the airstrip still there? Why was it not taken down by British intelligence? Why didn't they go in there, arrest all these agents? They didn't. Now, you can say they were watching them, but if they were watching them, why were they allowing all these boats to come in and out? Why were they allowing there to be a training area? Why were they allowing these communications coming in? And why did they bury it? Why have they denied it? Why have we got a historian, a professor, a tenured professor, writing, it's absolutely ridiculous that there could be U-boats there. When British, you're an investigator, you're, a, you're supposed to be, that's what your job is. When we research, the job is to go in to these archives, access documentation and find out. So you're a historian, a military historian, and you do not know that 90, I found that out in a week. Yes. I'm really animated about this because it infuriates me because we are the crazies here, Shannon. You know that. We're the crazies because we do due due diligence and we go and check for ourselves and we get the paperwork. So why are historians saying this is rubbish? Who's telling them? Who are they working for? They're either too lazy to do their job or they're being paid off. Absolutely. Because when I had that information together, you know, when you get, mm, I went to look, I went from here. I didn't get on an aircraft and go to London. I went through the files in London digitally. Okay, you have to know what you're looking for. That is true. But these guys are supposed to know what they're looking for. They, they're military historians. I think it's Stephen Woodbridge is the historian in that article, which I say, I've never met him, ever. And they made it look like I spoke to him and he told me that, which is rubbish. Um, So this is the situation. We are trying to get together this thing. I need to raise the funds. I would appreciate, and I called Shannon and I said, Shannon, I don't know what to do. I've got to do this thing. He said, you know what we can do? I said, because I'm not asking you for your money or a lot of your listeners that have got no money. I'm asking that we get it to the right places. Now, <laughs> let me tell you a funny story. There's um, there's a website. It's a very good website, and it's a special operations website. Uh, but members of the public, civilians, can go there as well. And I've been on there for a couple of years, and occasionally I would go and read the things. And I went in there a couple of times, I think probably about two years ago, and I answered a post. These are all Marines, you know. These are all hoorah types. Did you say hoorah? Hoorah, whatever. Uh, All these tough tough guys. So when you go on this website, you have to show who you are. And and that's right. So I sent my passport. This was like two years ago. Press passes and everything. I'm still unverified. They said, oh, are you that journalist? Prove that you're her, whatever. So what did I do? I'm not going to tell you the name of the website because I'm going to give them a chance to redeem themselves. So... When I was having a meltdown, because let me make it clear, we've got very short notice. We've got to get these sonars in the water by mid-March at the latest. This is something that came up urgently. I didn't have the, excuse me, I didn't have the chance to plan this the way that it was going. So I thought, oh my God, we're going to have to do this. Now, my former colleague was going to do this, but it was at the time, it was contradictory to what we were trying to do. Um, 
so I contacted this website and I sent a message to one of the moderators and I said hi how are you <laughs> listen I need your help I'm setting up this this uh, GoFundMe I know the veterans are all poor so I'm not going because it's awful when people go asking for money I can't think of anything's worse and I said I know listen I've been a, a very vocal advocate against the way that all the veterans have been treated particularly in the United States of America and where thousands of them are living in tents and cardboard boxes on the streets while you've got the southern border opening and they're uh, what was it, they right. were saying they're making them sandwiches and you've got these people that fought real patriots that are starving living on the streets so i am really i understand um veterans are really having a tough time so in my message to this thing i sent him a link i said look this is what i'm trying to do this thing could you help me get this to the right places to military tech websites guys that are interested who can help us raise this money to get this stuff done so he said i don't know how you want me to help you and i said could you let me know give me some ideas where i can get this out they banned me from the website this wasn't public good grief this was i was banned i was so annoyed because I'm still messaging him using all my other pseudonyms. Like, hello, do you want to explain why you did that? He said, no, we can't help you. No. I said, because his messages are all a bit weird, mixed messages. I said, does that mean I'm allowed to share and ask them to please share it to websites? I mean, I'm not begging for, I know it's a begging thing, a GoFundMe, but I'm begging for, guys that should be helpful this is about submarines this is about world war ii this is about investigating a tangible potential smoking gun this is is tangible this is not hunting Hmm. hitler them looking through the trees and they've buried a couple of coins they say oh my god look (laughs) in the mud there's a deutschmark (gasps) they must have been here what do you think yes definitely they were here this is 80 meters in length and uh, and the it's the actual width and length of the the casco of uh, a u-boat this it's broken be... up she's a mess and there's a dredge sitting on top of her now what is, what is a dredge a dredge is one of these strange boats google it dredge it's an ugly thing that drags along it's to drag things along the the water oh. or you know it's it's a boat that's used to drag stuff. It's a very heavy-duty, ugly thing that drags lots of, you know, whether it's a wreck or whether it's a, all sorts of things, a dredge. Now, I know about the dredge because... Now, some of the team were saying, oh, it's a dredge. I said, no, no, no. Now, I got this information from a very good source, and I can't mention it, but it is a very, very qualified source here in Argentina in an official um, capacity and he told me they when he questioned what was down there he was told oh it was when they were constructing the port the port there it fell down well you don't fall down seven kilometers offshore do you no you know right so and he also thinks that they might have dropped something on it somebody else said it was a dredge they've dropped some heavy duty stuff on it to disguise it yes um because it's too close now the other ones 
are in 80 meters of water or 120 meters of water and it's not such an easy thing to get and they're not worried because you need significant resources to get down there we are working on that but this but not only that this sonar is very important this um rover is important because it will also help us get bigger guns involved yeah amazing um it's not going to give us a refutable it's not going to give us an identity what we're going to do in march if we can get it done it's going to give us some real data of what they're dealing with how dangerous it is how deep it's in the mud if it's one or two vessels down there that's very important because if it's a sandwich one on top of the other you go well, how did that happen <laughs> right um and it's also it's required for us to be able to take the expedition further but it's been very 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 difficult now um starting with that with the response from the german foreign office then the sabotage of the article uh, with the daily mail and the mail on sunday if you google it if you put um Maybe you might find it if you put uh, Mail on Sunday or Daily Mail, Lawrence DeMello, and you will find the article, put Lawrence DeMello, Daily Mail submarine, and you'll find the article. And it's a total bodge job. It's total def. It looks like I have written an article laughing at Abel Basti and the possibility that this could be a U-boat. Yeah. Now, there has been a problem. And there is no doubt that the problem is this, that Abel Basti is associated with his Hitler escaped research. Now, that is the kiss of death, unfortunately, because nobody wants to go near that. Now, this was the argument that I initially had with Dr. Ariel Goldblung. He said, I don't want to get involved with this. Abel Basti's behind this. And that's when I said to him, Ariel, I said, come on, forget what Abel does. We don't care what Abel's theories are on whether the moon is cheese or whatever. We don't care about that. This is a separate thing. We cannot ignore there's a vessel down there. It's being covered up. It's not being investigated. You are the Simon Wiesenthal Center. And he said, you're right. And that's when he made a comment. So we have to separate that. And they are using this. It's the classic thing. If you say something, uh, you're uh, you're anti uh, Semitic or you're racist. You know, they use these taglines yes. to bury you. So what they do now, anything that's connected to Abel Basti is a joke or it's rubbish. Now, I have never made any um, findings on the Hitler research. I have to tell you, I don't believe he killed himself in the bunker. I don't believe that because I think he was too much of his ego was too big. I don't think so. Um, and there hasn't been sufficient evidence to prove that he did. There is more evidence to prove that he didn't than he did. But I'm not saying he came to Argentina. I'm not saying he died in Argentina. I'm not saying any of that. I don't look at that because it's not my area of research. I haven't done the work or the homework. I can have an opinion, but I don't, to be honest. Um, and I try not to. So... Um, it has been a problem with the Abel Basti name that has been involved with one of the guys that found, well, he found, he brought this this project together. And um, it's very, very difficult because people say, oh, if he's involved, we don't want to be involved. This is a mistake. This is, this is why I say, this is tangible. Yes. There is a vessel down there. 
It's metal. It's 80 meters in length. There have been uh, bits and we've got some image of it. We've got Im and there's also something very interesting down there. There is a little placard, a little plaque, and it's bright, luminous yellow, and it's floating around. It's debris from the wreck. Oh wow! And one of the forensic guys said to me, "It is the classic uh, little poster that would go in the engine room of a submarine, so it could be seen in that red light." Amazing. You know, submarines. Yes. So that's down there floating. What the hell is that? Now that's not from a dredge. There um, could be so, anything on this. You might find a uranium. You might find an actual Enigma machine. There's no yeah. telling what um, could still be on board this. And not to mention, what if it is a World War II Nazi submarine that only builds a case more of the the involvement of um, the Third Reich uh, with Argentina and um, the Fourth Reich. <laughs> the, so now the Fourth Reich. We're live with Lawrence DeMello if you're just tuning in. Listen, what you'll need to go down there is just a drop in the bucket. Oh my goodness. If I had my Bitcoin here, I would finance it myself. Um, folks, I encourage... This is, what I'm, this is what I'm saying. It is a lot of money. Oh, it's not. It's a lot of money. Are you kidding me? No, but... It's it, a drop in the no, bucket. No, but what I'm saying... It, yes, it's a drop in the ocean for who's that guy who was a boxer who's got a big show on? What's his name? Oh, Mike Tyson. No, 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 no. That, um, he's a beast. Uh, oh. The one who's got the radio show, the blogger guy uh, oh, with the bald head. Joe Rogan, the UFC fighter. Joe Rogan. I tried to get hold of Joe Rogan about two months ago for other stuff connected to this, for the big one, for the decomp chamber and everything. Couldn't for love or money get through to him, emails, ping back, whatever. So these guys, the Musks, the Joe Rogans, the these guys are the guys that could really help oh, and yes. make this happen. And this is a really important story. You know, it's not I believe it's an important story. You know it's an important story. Big it's time. a story. And um it's a mistake if we bet and do you know what? I, I, I don't know if I've said this to you before because um, I'm a bit older than you when I first started getting involved in about 2002 searching for many years you know that mafia and all sorts of stuff and drug cartels and whatever but when I got really um, involved in the Odessa and the Dispine and the rat lines etc um, I didn't realise how dark and connected this was you understand it's really really big and important um but i was also at an age where because of course you know i worked with john ainsworth davis and he was a mentor and i got a lot of information because he came on board with me for the with the borman stuff and it's such a big it's like the fallout of an atom bomb these stories they're all interlinked as I said to you, European Union, the Third Reich, the escape, Argentina, it's all connected. And people say, why is it important? It's important today. But um, I am concerned about how old I'm getting and my health. And I have, it's very, the, 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 I'm not saying my research is so important, but it is important. And it's a body of work like Abel has, and I know you have, lots of people have bodies of work, but this body of work, 
I've been extremely fortunate to be entrusted with information by people that, I mean, John Ainsworth Davis, he was like Churchill's number one spy assassin. Royal Navy, he's the one that wrote Operation James Bond. And he was the one from his book, 1996, 1996 again. Operation James Bond, 1996, Shimon and Schuster, um, by my mentor, was what kicked the West German government to reopen the Bormann forensics where they did the DNA because in the actual report I think I told you I spoke to Katja Anslinger who was one of the forensic experts that was involved in the 1997 Bormann DNA investigation um, I've lost myself I've well, lost the, track uh, now you contacted her regarding the DNA sample right? Yeah, I did. And they only did mitochondrial DNA. But the point is, all that information now, I have so much information. I am going to die and this information is going to be gone. So I need to get this out there. I need help to get this done because I've spoken to people. And it's not easy just to pass it over and say, here's the research because they won't understand it. There's too much there. There are too many bits and pieces and whatever. So when I was working with John, I even then, I didn't think about my... I was like, ah, oh, you think you've got forever to do stuff. If our generation go, if we lose this opportunity... I'm not just talking about me with this research or the Borman research or all that stuff. This generation of us that we've got this stuff, we are like the missing link. In fact, that's what Abel called his original expedition. Yes. If we if we go as guys and we do not pass on this data, this information, but in a way that it's cohesive and it's understandable, it's gone, and gone. that's what they're banking on. They are banking on that. Absolutely. So, when I say it is a pop in the ocean for the Joe Rogans and the what's it, they only have to put it out there. Could you just share this thing? And I will probably be able to finance the whole bloody thing without. But I at this moment. I'm worried about the deadline because the water to change. And in March, by the end of March, you can't do it. We are done. You can't get down there. This and at least until December. And we can't do that. And I can't do the dive because we've got to do this before to prepare things in order to prepare for the other things. Sorry, what were you saying? This Kevin? information that you've uncovered. Uh, and I'm talking about the whole body of investigative journalism trails that you've been working on relating on Martin Borman and his importance, um, other figures that you've been researching and have got leads on, and of course this most latest, this incredible wreck at the bottom of the ocean that could we get the answers to quickly um, will, will cause uh, the history books to have to be rewritten. And in fact, uh, you're exactly right. Um, if it if it doesn't get dealt with now, and this stuff come out, it can be buried forever. It's gone. You know, I look at uh, how the educational system has just degraded since I was in school. You know, 35 years ago, I just turned 54. Of course, you know we've got three <laughs> children baby. here in the <laughs> in the house, three babies of our own, and. Um, I'm like, uh, what happens if I if I croak? Um, how am I going to pass anything on to them? Um, we're the last mm. generation that remembers the um, the rotary phones. 
Mm. You know, think, um, let, let me get back on target here. Here's the problem, is we have never been told the truth about what really happened uh, with World War II. We've got bits and pieces. Most of it was buried. Submarines have been scuttled with secrets. And there's people out there right now in government in 2024 that do not want to open this stuff up. And you say, why? And, you know, this is 80 years old from 1945 till now, right? Practically Mm -hmm. 79 years ago. Why? Because this is as relative today as it was then. There were things put in motion that are operating right now with the World Economic Forum and these globalist groups that are meeting at COP28, um, all these global initiatives. This is interlinked. And uh, we deserve to know the truth. I heard somebody, maybe it was Peter Lavinda, or one of those authors who did a book on the Nazis and Third Reich. He said, yes. we've only been told 15% of true history. The rest is classified. And then I look at, um, there were other investigators that broke the story. There was a guy in the 80s. He's written a couple books. He was the only guy at that time, really, that had the, the three or four security clearances that you needed to get access to these underground vaults that spanned several football fields. And he went in there and he uncovered in the American archives uh, with this new office that had been set up to investigate uh, Nazi war crimes. All the people that had come over, not only under paperclip, but other operations. And he had access to the files. And he was in there and it blew him away. The names he was coming up. People that were still operating in America. That were alive. Totally. And yep. um, I forget his name or I'd mention it. Well, he did a 60 Minutes interview, and I've got the whole copy. I'm going to send it to you. Somebody finally posted it. Oh, I'd like to see that. It's very interesting. And what was sad is I remember him saying, not only were we doing things that uh, we don't acknowledge publicly now, but at one point in time, he goes in there, do his work, and the uh, Pentagon, I guess, had some, some soldiers in there, whatever branch they were in, in there, and they were shredding documents. And I'm like, oh, good grief. What a, what a cachet. And now you're telling me they've got people in there shredding them? Folks, we've got a major cover-up. And what we're talking about tonight, if you're just joining, is a stall wolf. It means still wolf. It's an expedition to uncover the enigma of what is believed to be one or multiple submarines not far off the coast of Argentina, that Lawrence is leading an expedition out there to dive on them. They're going to do sonar uh, reconnaissance. They're going to take Geiger counters out there with uh, divers. And they're going to document what has been laying at the bottom of the ocean there since the late 40s. And this is another piece in the puzzle which we need desperately to put together the whole piece so we can get an accurate view of what has went down. Why are we being lied to, folks? Uh, why are we being lied to about the Ukraine-Russian war over there? Uh, by the way, did you get a chance to see the Tucker Carlson interview with Tucker and Putin? Well, of course. Oh, man. Course. I've talked to some people who haven't watched it yet. Folks, if you haven't watched it, you need to watch it. Uh, the guy is our ticket. Love him or hate him. Could you imagine Joe Biden getting over there and doing it? Look, he wouldn't last 60 seconds. I don't think he knows his wife's name. Um, when I saw that, I said, uh, America's in trouble. 
and Britain too, because uh, a lot of people are clamoring for, for war with Russia. Not to mention we got China to worry about, and now there's Yemen. I heard that the British fleet is not even prepared for war. They don't even have any active military vessels that could go out there. Um, and America's depleted ammunition and all the stuff we've been sending abroad. Not only to mention that the economy is bankrupt in America, the government, really. So, to think we could go and fight Putin, I don't think we understand what we're up against. And either the people are fools, Lawrence, or they're so conceited. No, they're, hit, they're hypnotized. And part of the problem, I really do believe this. In fact, when that whole, I think I mentioned to you, and I got a lot of, um, I don't do a lot of sort of work on, on social media, but of course I, I've got a big mouth. So when they all started putting their Ukraine flags on, I said, you, you guys didn't even know where the Ukraine was till a week ago. Now you're putting on as your logo in Ukraine right. and they have no idea. And this has been going on for 24, well, you cannot imagine the barrage oh my of goodness filth that was thrown at me that I dared what you pro Putin I said yeah actually in this case I am too and I'm an American <laughs> I am no you do you understand what NATO have done and everything so I'm yes. filled to bits about the whole thing that's gone on with Tucker Carlson because it's about time because um totally but um it's the same with the jab thing but what happens is it's terrifying how it's almost like they did a social experiment because they, the if you notice the whole Ukraine thing, everybody, oh, Ukraine, stand with Ukraine, stand with Ukraine. Do you know how many nations there are out there that are being tortured and killed? Yes. Are you standing with them? Yeah, are you standing with them? So, no, they're all standing with you. They don't know why they're standing with Ukraine. They because, But isn't it scary that in such a small space of time, at the same time of the whole jabbing stuff, that they're all... They're, they're, they're so easy they're lemmings I'm sorry to say this absolutely the majority of people are lemmings um, and they but not only are they lemmings but then they will argue without knowing what they're arguing for example I often get yes Trump should be in jail he's a criminal I always say <laughs> on social media could you give me three absolute legitimate legal reasons why he should be in jail and then they go quiet I said, give me three reasons. Give me three lawful reasons that he should be in jail. And they'll say, oh, you're a this. And then, of course, the ad hominem starts. So they never come back with the fact because they don't know. They don't know. They're just repeating a mantra. They're all brainwashed. And it's oh, to do with social media, yes. Facebook, um, smartphones, this addiction. You can't, you look at them. They're all addicted. You can't. I'm pretty addicted only because I have to get communications now, but I don't have a phone. I've got a tablet. Actually, it doesn't fit in my pocket. But people can't live without a smartphone anymore. It was, Nobody can live. We're being um, propagandized um, by the media that's controlled. So, yep. you know, you stuff the ballot box, okay, or you stuff the um, population with illegals. Coming into the border, we got millions that don't love America. They're not Mexicans that are coming in. These are from 150 nations. If only one percent are bad people, we got a we got a, a fifth column army of 50,000 plus people that could be prepositioned right now to take out America at the right time. 
And, you ask, and I ask myself, why do we not have Mexican and American troops down on the border to disarm the cartel which are raping women as part of payment to go through the border? Some of them they kidnap and put into sex tra- uh, trafficking. They have a rape yeah. tree down there within view of the southern border. Why are we allowing the cartel to run this operation? Uh, what's really going on here? And the only reason I mention Tucker is because for 30 minutes you sit there and you listen to Putin give history and dates. This guy's an He's brilliant, brilliant, He's brilliant man. And I ask the question, does anybody in America or truly believe that Biden could be there for more than one minute, that he's running the show? This guy, again, he's suffering from advanced stages of dementia and Alzheimer's, one or the other, probably doesn't know his children's names. He doesn't even remember when his son Bo died. And the poor guy, you know, I'm not hating on him, but I'm just saying, are we that stupid? Are, are really people just stupid to think, you know, blame it on, blame it on uh, Biden, you know, Biden this, Biden that. Listen, he's just a puppet. If he didn't have the earpiece, if he didn't have the uh, Adderall, and he didn't have the uh, teleprompter, he wouldn't be functioning at all. You, I'm trying to tell you, folks, he's not run the show. I mean, come on. If you don't know that, I, I'm sorry. I don't know what to say. I really feel sorry for you. We've got a shadow government. Have, I, I think I know who it is sorry. that's running it. That They have a real problem, though, don't they? Because they're stuck now. So what are they going to do? Put Kamala Harris in there? That's a good question. Uh, and, and she'll just be a better version of him. She doesn't have his impairment. Um, I'm making a prediction here on the program that we're going to have a false flag in the next 12 months in America because the fascist or communist, whatever you want to call them, who have taken control of the White House, Biden supposedly got more votes than Obama. Yeah, right. They're not going to go quietly into the night. Now, it still remains to be seen if Trump's even going to be allowed to run. But if they can't stop him from going on the ticket... They'll stop it. Uh, any, they will not stop at anything to block him from making it into January. I believe there'll be a false flag in America that's going to delay the election or what have you. Not to mention, will America be in war with uh, China over Taiwan, Yemen? Are we going to be stupid enough to go against Russia? Russia will cut us off at the knees. There's we got a lot of warmongers like uh, even Nikki Haley wants to go to war. A lot of them do. Um, I would like to see nothing more than maybe uh, Trump to run with RFK Jr. or the Indian guy. I forget his name. Super brilliant. He's questioning the narrative as well and has said as much. Uh, But will they be allowed to? Uh, They're getting ready to have here in Indonesia this week a presidential election. And the election here is for five years. Now, there's a lot of people that are believing that uh, a guy named um, Suarto, uh, excuse me, Praboa is his name, he's the son-in-law of the former dictator Suarto who had the uh, country for 30 years. He's running with the current president's son. What a great combination. And this guy is apparently a great military general. And I'm asking local Indonesians, who do you think is going to win? Everybody thinks that he's going to win. But it's about to change the face of Indonesia. But one thing about it here, the reason I mention this, is they do a paper vote over here, which is kind of cool. 
Well, how, mm-hmm. how, are you, how are you going to steal the paper vote? Not as easily as they can do with the, uh, the electronic voting software in America. I think we're going to have a false flag. But let me get back on topic tonight. Um, I also believe that uh, Blackwater, not Blackwater, but BlackRock, and yes. um, the big three, I forget the other t- two guys' names, State yeah. State Street or something, Bank. they really want to um, reform Ukraine into their own image. They want that several meters deep, richest soil in the globe. And just like uh, something strange happened over at Hawaii, since you and I did a program last, that place just burnt down, you know, Lahaina. Oh, that was that was shocking. Um, now people are going there; they're wanting to buy it up for pennies on the dollar from people that have lost yeah, exactly. everything. Yeah, I think that BlackRock and some other companies, which are probably really pulling the strings of our Federal Reserve in America, they want to go in there and they want to take Ukraine and get all the land. And it's sad that uh, people go to war. And kill others to take what they have, but it's an old age problem. And uh, they control the media. Okay, so how are you going to get a fair shake? Uh, they, they control the banking system. A lot of the politicians, they've got unlimited money and resources. They've got people embedded as lobbyists to sway the vote. It's very rare that you and I get an opportunity to get to the truth. And I think that this expedition to Stolwolf, to bring it back to subject here, to uncover the enigma of what is down there is one of the most exciting things I've heard about in a long time. We're going to put a GoFundMe link up here. I encourage everybody to give. If we had a 200 people to give $100, you got enough to do the dive next month. I mean, it's not, not much at all. But we got to get people... Uh, but we we need board. to get it to people that we need to get it to people that actually can do that because I don't want and I want to make this very clear I do not want people that are cutting their nose off to donate to this because I know you've got a lot of good people. Well, on listen, here. everybody can do it, something. I, I want them to share. I want it to share it with the people that can that it's not going to affect them because a lot of people are struggling out there. So that's the way to do this. I and think this that, is uh, my point. Yeah, yeah. This expedition's got to be done. I think it's going to yield a plethora of amazing discoveries. And also, back to you and some of the other research that I'm privy to that you've shared with me, you've been working on for a number of years, that's also got to come to light. In fact, um, you're working on a documentary. And um, I've seen the trailer to it. Uh, if that ever Oh, you're talking about um, for Martin Borman? Yes. Um, I know. You, you have um, mentioned it on social media a couple of times, just some just some um, appetizers. you got to finish that. Uh, people deserve to know who this guy really you know was. I'll tell you what the problem is. I'll tell you what the problem is. The commissioners are afraid of this stuff. So they, you take it in to a network and yes. you say, um, you know, could you? They say, mm, great story. Uh, well, we're a bit. They're all nervous. So this is why I also concern about you know denotices on these stories because it seems to me that they sort of sort of run away from it. Well, um, they'd like to classify all of history, but the truth that needs to come out is long overdue, and you know, let the chips fall where they may. Everybody was in bed together. Britain, America, Europe, with the Third Reich, and um, 
We know about Operation Paperclip and some of these other programs. Russia got scientists. America did. Britain did. Okay. Oh, I got to ask you this question. Uh, Since our last program, Oppenheimer came out. And I thought... Oh, yes. (laughs) Was was it just a coincidence that they came out? Or is this yet another piece in the... uh, the misinformation campaign because they didn't tell the whole true story there. Now, a lot of people may no. think that's all the history that there was, but uh, we, they said Germany was doing a parallel program and America beat him to the punch, but that's not true. Uh, there's a lot of research that shows that uh, they already had the bomb and were testing it, but what about the, the uranium that was brought over and handed over on that uh, U-boat that was captured headed for Japan? Along with some of the other um, things. It's documented. It's documented. Right. I mean, we know it's true. Right. It happened. But you know what? Hollywood Um, gave a Hollywood version. They didn't show how Germany gave us enough uranium to build the bomb. You know, uranium, what is it called? Uranium-238, enriched uranium. It takes a long time. You know, the movie, they show every time they make a little bit more uranium, they drop a a marble into the fishbowl, right? And then they show over time they filled it up. Come on, folks. America could not have pulled it off without the Germans. Let's give credit where credit is due. The they Germans, couldn't have pulled it off without the British either with Churchill and the tube alloys. Very true program, about that too. Yes. The tube people forget that. The British were the ones that the ones they split the atom and they all right, they were a yes. group of Canadians, there was a German guy, whatever. But they split it at Cambridge, I think it was in nineteen thirty seven. And um, the Americans sucked in Churchill because he was really annoyed. And he said, they said, come and work with us. And that's how the Manhattan Project was set up. Nobody talks about that. It was Britain that sent over the tube alloys team that went over there because they needed us. You had the money. We had the brains. And what happened? There was an alliance created between uh, Churchill Shall I do a very quickie on that? Yes, Shall I just please. give a very quick brief on that? Yes. Um, so the tube alloys, uh, Churchill really was a scientist. He was so very, very brilliant. And he set up, the, they called it tube alloys because that was the cover-up name for it. And he had the British Atomic Project. Of course, we went into war in 1939 and it ground to a halt because we were completely in our knickers because we weren't prepared for war, unlike Germany, had been preparing forever. And um, the British, uh, the tube alloys ground to a halt. So what happened was Churchill was really frustrated by this. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I think it was in 1943 that America uh, approached Churchill and said, look, you know, would you like to come in with us and we will help you finance your project and we work together and we do the bomb together. And Churchill's like, mm, okay, should I, should I not? And then he said, okay. And they signed this agreement. And what did they do? They sent our people over there. They went to Los Alamos because that's where it was all done. And they set up there. Yeah, we'll set it up under the, 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 the Manhattan Project. So they set it up. They do all the work. And the moment they get to the point, what do you think they did? They kicked the British off the project when they got everything they needed from us. That's right. Churchill was Churchill was fuming. He was spitting blood. And do you know what I also think? Who do you think defended? Who was really friend and a supporter of Churchill was Roosevelt. And I think they killed him. I know he was ill, but I think they bumped him off. Wow. 
And they, they, I, I, I do believe that. I, I haven't sort of gone out there on that, but I, I do believe it. And I've actually done some paperwork on that. I believe that he was, he was dying, but I think they got rid of him quickly because he was standing up for Churchill about what was going on and they needed to get rid of him at the end of the war. And I've got some names of some people that could have been involved with that. Well, and they wanted him out, they wanted him out of the way. I wouldn't doubt it because um, only 20 years later, they knocked off JFK and his brother. Oh, yeah. And yeah. the... Well, uh, yeah, yeah. And, of course, Alan years, Dulles. Right. Yeah, it's, no, it's nothing, is it? Alan Dulles was right there at the formation of the OSS. I think he became mm-hmm. the first director of the CIA. He was there with mm-hmm. Operation, I think, Sunrise. Uh, he knew... He knew he made agreements into the war with a lot of people, and then of course uh, he sits on the Warren Commission, overseeing his investigation to his boss murder, who had just fired him, and Alan Dulles was still uh, had an office running the operation from his home in Northern Virginia, wherever it was over there, Maryland. No different than I think that Obama today is uh, very involved in the current administration. Uh, to what degree you have to make your own decision out there but I say again look at what Putin did in that interview and imagine Joe Biden getting up there and even being able to speak for one minute without an earpiece come on it's impossible Um, we're being uh, fed a lie we've been lied to about history and enough's enough I'm angry about it and I want to know the truth Let let the truth come out And I want to encourage everyone out there to circulate this program tonight. We're going to upload it in the next few hours. Share it with everybody you can. Also, if you'd like to help support this effort, we're going to have a GoFundMe link up there that you can give. And um, we just need to get the word out. Um, We need to share the link. That's the thing. We need to share it with the ones that can permit to donate. That's the thing. Oh, what an exciting thing to be a part of. I mean, this is an expedition that's uh, feasible oh, yeah. and can be pulled off oh, very yeah. easily. Um, if I can pull that off, I thought, well, what I'd do, I'm going to also look for um, some um, really good marketing people and everything. We'll set up some social. And then if we get yes. down there, then we'll we'll cover it. We'll, we'll, we'll keep them up to date on what's going on and what's, you know, it's not going to be super glamorous uh, widescreen, but we're going to keep them up to date on what we're doing and how far we're getting and what the next stage is. But it is, um, there's something very interesting. Um, there's an FBI document um, in 1945, and it was all about the, because we knew subs were coming over here definitely in 1945, but I'm saying the SIS, no, and you've seen a paper today to prove that they're actually coming over much earlier. Yes. But on this document where this classified document talking about the movements, how many subs were coming down there, they knew. And... On that uh, document, there's a handwritten note on it, and I've got this, not the original handwritten note, but I've got the document. And it's the document is focused on the sightings of submarines in Argentina and the escape of high-ranking Nazis. And there's a handwritten note by FBI Director John Edgar Hoover, and this was in April 1945, and he puts on there, every effort must be made to run these rumours down. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, really? Why What? Why is that then? No, you should get the rumours out there so people go and look and stop it. But no, we have to cover it up. There is so much evidence. Now, they say what's important. If we find out 
right if it's not a submarine we know there are other ones down here but we've got to check this one first because it's the closest to the shore it's the easiest one to dive at the end of the year and we need to find out if there is a dredge on top of it who put the dredge on top of it and when was the dredge put on top of it and why was it put on there Absolutely. So that's the thing. Now, we just got rid of this Peronist government. People forget, you know, the Peronists always, the, the modern Peronists, the Kirchners, they always pitch themselves as being these kind, lefty type hippies. No, they're not. They don't realize their namesake was the one that was colluding with the Vatican and with Odessa to get all these high ranking Nazis. And we know high ranking Nazis come here. So we don't even have to think about Hitler. We know that Adolf Eichmann was here because he was sucked up in 1962 yes. by, by Mossad. We know that Arabert Heim was here. We know that Karl Wernet was here, was doing experiments in um, Buchenwald, and he was the teacher. He taught Mengele. We know Mengele was here. We know Mengele was given a license to practice under the Ministry of Argentine Health, and he opened an abortion clinic in Buenos Aires. Abortion is still really technically illegal today. Wow. But in the 60s, we had an abortion clinic in in the 50s in Buenos Aires, and the wealthy girls were sending their daughters there. And do you know what happened in the 60s? A girl died after a procedure with Mengele, and he was arrested. One of the mothers reported it, and the police went in. They arrested him. Within two hours, a call was put through to a judge release him, and he went back to his clinic. Amazing. And Karl Wernet who was the one that set up the pink triangle you know the jews had the star of david and then you had but in the camps they had a pink triangle for the homosexuals and um carl vernet was doing experiments supposedly trying to stop people being gay by um implanting chimpanzees testicles into the gays in this camp carl vernet when he left they all, isn't it funny how they all escaped? They were all caught, but they all slipped out. You can hear the train. Sorry about the noise. Lest we forget. And guess where he's buried? Where? You won't believe where he's buried. In the British Cemetery in Buenos Aires. Amazing. Lest we Under forget. his real name, with his real name. Folks, the Third Reich was entrenched down there for decades. And um, I still love the, the trail you're pursuing on uh, Martin Borman and Gestapo Mueller. There's more to- oh yeah that's what I've got you see the thing is I this is the problem I keep it's almost like they're setting me up because they give me something and I'm like ooh that's juicy <laughs> <laughs> it's like I can't resist now this this vessel down here I, I'm I have to do it so oh, it's got to be done. Uh, it's got to be done uh, and um, so yeah I, I need help now I, I you know I I'm not very comfortable about asking help but on this one this is not about me or my research this has to be done we've got to find out what's down there and we've got to do the investigation and uh, we've got to take on those and here's another thing I don't want to ask for official help now and why not because if we ask for official help because people might say oh why don't you just call the new government let them no we have we the people have to do this and if we ask help they'll say we'll help we'll take over and then it's going to be buried again we're going to have another whitewash because you don't know who's going to be behind there so this is another reason i want to get this data for march before anybody has an opportunity to put the kibosh on it this is the only way to get it done and get access to the 
unadulterated truth here. Um, a question or two I want to ask you. And by the way, uh, I want you to check your email after the show. There's a guy in Leicestershire. I've got not only his email, but his phone number. And he's got one of the largest collections of World War II memorabilia. And he loves the Third Reich. He sleeps in Hitler's bed, by the way. This guy is a multi, multi, multi millionaire. <laughs> uh, you got to read. Oh, this. is he? Oh, oh, that's useful. His name is Kevin. You got to reach out to Kevin. He could finance the whole thing tomorrow. Oh my goodness! I just I, can't, I don't just came believe to me. you. Don't the problem. Do you know what? Yes. In England, in England, Kevin is the equivalent when you say a Karen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not joking. He's got the world's largest uh, Third Reich collection. Sleeps in Hitler's bed. In fact, this guy. So I mean, as a young child. Uh, he asked his father for a birthday present. He wanted hit one of Hitler's um, cars, and he cried when he didn't get it. Later, he bought it. He owns the racetracks <laughs> over there in Leicestershire. Okay, um, but I want to ask you this. I'm so excited to, to hear the news about Argentina getting a new president. Um, Isn't it fantastic? It's wonderful. I heard his speech, and um, he's a pretty amazing guy. He knows what time it is. Um, he did say, yeah. though, it's going to be hard. But we're going to make a comeback. Are you seeing any changes on the ground? Um, I have to tell you, office? we're almost starving here. It's so yes. tough. Yes. You know, if you think, let me just put it in, in into perspective, like a tin of tuna, just because the girls out there will understand this. So a tin of tuna two years ago, I'd go and it'd be like 70, 70 pence, 70 cents. It's now like $6, the oh, same no. tin. So... I'm not kidding you. So everything, everything has just, you know, we've got like, I don't know what the inflation is now. It's probably about 300% or something ridiculous. But also not only inflation, but also the shopkeepers and everything, they just take advantage and everything is just blowing up and nobody can survive here. It is really scary now here. So he had to take this over, um, Millet, and now everybody's complaining because he's going to have to do some very tough things cut down some of these plans all these plans you know everybody has a plan you know why 12 and 14 year olds have babies here they're all pregnant with babies because they know they're going to get more money if they do it oh wow handouts now i am the first person to say that the state should support those that legitimately want support but why do you say somebody that is he's gay or he's trans and so he's having such a hard time he doesn't ever have to work and we're going to give him a really fabulous pension every month and he's 35 and fit good grief where does that come from oh yeah oh yeah absolutely so um my son said to me actually as a joke about a year ago he said mum maybe i should dress up in a dress and something and then then might you know help a bit more do, do you see what i'm saying oh this is so pathetic what's that, going on all the money has gone on these plans. So all the, now now everybody's complaining, saying Millet is going to cut all these benefits. No, he hasn't. You can't get blood out of a stone. And you can't just keep printing money. Of right. course there's, you know. And so this is why it is tough. And, it is going, and he said, I'm going to have to do some really tough things. So we're going to have to go through that. But do you know what I love about him? He is so anti... Look, he's going to get contaminated. Everybody gets contaminated in a position of power. You can't help it. It's a normal thing. I've felt it at times. I bet you felt it at times. You don't abuse it, but you feel 
that you can you're in situations where you can make certain choices sure but um i'm hoping i think he's quite this guy they he is the trump of argentina man i was so excited Um, when i heard that announcement i'm gonna be praying for him because uh, he could turn argentina around you know for the longest time lawrence all i heard coming out of argentina was um there could be another bank freeze, another currency default. How many times has it happened before? Such a beautiful country that um, could be so much. But it's but so corrupt. It's, been, it's corrupt. been destroyed through corruption and greed. Yes. I mean, destroyed through it. Now. And it's such a shame. Yeah, it, it's a shame. So I think he's going to really, I felt, I was I was cheering here on the night of the elections. I was thinking they're not going to allow it. I thought they were <laughs> going to do what they did over in the USA, you know, like with right. the ballots. I thought, oh, my God. Right. But they actually, they actually did it. I couldn't believe it. I was l- celebrating. I'm not an Argentine. Oh shoot! It's like having Trump the so first good. time. I was ex- I celebrated for months. Um, I got to ask you one more thing. I would uh, when you mentioned some of the history with Abel Basti earlier. I just punched up his uh, ex account Twitter, and uh, lo and behold, they've got a picture up there of Anoco with a construction crew out there. They've already put a new roof on that thing, uh, and it looks like they're rebuilding the Anoco site. Have you ever gotten out there on the ground? And uh, secondly, no, now you, no, no. Um, you have any idea who? Bought well, it? I know it was absolutely falling to pieces. It was, yeah, and um, and not only that, it's it's a very peculiar situation uh, of these families that own these houses. Um, there is no doubt that that was built for somebody very. There's no doubt that right. was built for an important German who needed to be very isolated. Yes. And um, it's in the middle of nowhere. It's very difficult to get to. Uh, the way it's constructed and everything, um, yeah, it, that was built for somebody important. It was laying there, you know, uh, falling apart, dilapidated. It had all this volcanic ash on the roof. But if you look at it now, they put on a brand new roof. They're restoring the whole thing. Somebody has went over there and bought that thing. And uh, what a beautiful location to have a place. Um I want to thank you for coming on tonight, and I apologize I had to book you so late. I know it's already in the wee hours there, but we had to get this show done and quick. We want to get this information out to everybody, and uh, I'm going to get you back on uh, and love to do a part two anytime you're ready and you want to talk. Also, I'm going to try to get you some other interviews booked up. But, uh, Lawrence, uh, give out your contact information. How do people reach you? And... um, We'll be posting. Well, they, the- they can actually, if people can email me at goldeneyefilm, that's singular, goldeneye like James Bond, goldeneyefilm at gmail.com. They can send me emails there. And on the subject, put at the top something like, um, don't just put hello, just put something up there, you know, either put uh, Shannon Davis or Amiga Man or something where I, it, I, it will pick up my attention, whatever. Yes. I want to say I apologize. I've been a bit tired tonight. Um, I'm absolutely quite exhausted, if I'm really honest. It's, no. it's worn me down a lot. I've had a lot to do on this thing. I'm not trying to be a victim, but, you know, I'm a bit tired. Um, so I'm not completely with it tonight. Um, no uh, apology I'm, necessary. I'm what a exciting and intriguing adventure you've set off on, and a great show tonight. Oh my goodness! I'll be posting. Thank you very this, much. Uh, send you a copy in a few hours, and uh, we love you, Lawrence. Get some rest over there. Oh, 
And, uh, and thank you to all of you at, uh, at, um, who's listening. They're all a great team. I don't have the chat here tonight because normally I like to see the chat people in there. Um, and um, thank you very, very much for all your patience and support. It's great. We'll be and back. Diamo. We'll be back talking to you soon. Yo te amo también. We'll see you soon. Okay. God bless you. <laughs> Bye-bye. Dios te bendiga. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Folks, Lawrence DeMello, if you're coming in late, you want to get this show. We had some great shows tonight. Uh, we started out with Dr. Ron and Miriam Cohen. We had on Colonel Giamo and Troy Anderson. Forgive me, we uh, missed Joseph Roar tonight. I overwent my time on the show with them. We'll get him on, I think, Wednesday. And then just a two-hour spectacular program with Lawrence DeMello, British investigative journalist. She has researched many exciting topics. The death of Princess Diana, September 11th, extensive history in the World War II, the Third Reich, the hunt for Martin Borman, Operation James Bond. Um, now they have an opportunity to dive on a wreck. They'd like to do it in a few weeks. Next month they've got to get it done. Times of the essence. And what is believed to be, and already acknowledged to be by uh, one ambassador's office, a submarine. We think, I think, that this is going to be a uh, a Nazi sub. And there could be more than one. We'll just leave it at that. They need to raise roughly about twenty grand, 18,000 pounds. That's not a lot of money. My goodness. Um, if you'd like to be a part part of it, I know there'll be some goodies for those that um, give to this project. Whatever you can give. Ten bucks, a hundred bucks or more. Uh, it'd be exciting to get this into the hands of some real hardcore archaeology lovers and those that love World War II history I mean look they don't need to raise much and this thing can be pulled off and we can know what's down there definitively and this will lay the groundwork for then other exploration and um, I know what's down there I believe it in my gut that they're going to find they just got to get the crew down there the submersible, the uh, frogman, if you want, the divers, not a frogman, but, and uh, they're going to take a Geiger counter down there too. Oh man, I wish I was there. Oh boy, this is going to be exciting. Okay, I'm going to put a GoFundMe link up there. Uh, do something for me. Uh, pray about your part in it. Number two, share this link on your social media platforms. It'll be up there by tomorrow, your time in America, everywhere you can. Please help us get the word out. Let's help Lawrence DeMello. She's a great gal. Um, On the ground there in Argentina for the last 20 years. Great mother and uh, awesome writer and investigative journalist. Uh, We love Lawrence and I'm so excited to have her back on. We're going to get her back on again real soon. Count on that. I'm going to do my part also to help get her some more interviews booked. We need to get this message out far and wide. Okay. Welcome back to the marathon. My official website is omegamanradio.com. We'll be posting this there. You can get it. Free download. Uh, all of our shows are free. 
We've got about 900 of them up in the archives now. The previous almost 10,000, 9,800 at least, um, we're going to be releasing very soon in the vault. And they're free, but to get access to them, the key that you're going to need to unlock the whole vault of over 10,700 programs is you're going to need to be on my Substack list. Go to omegaman.substack.com. Only those who are subscribed there to my email list, it's a free subscription, are going to get the email where I'm going to reveal how to get to the vault and access all these shows that we've done for almost 14 years since June 22, 2010. We're back on track now for full marathon mode, Monday through Friday, and also Wednesdays in the morning. We're doing um, international shows as well. And uh, all are free, but to get the full catalog, you're going to need to be on my Substack list. So go to OmegaManRadio.com. Just sign up over there. Peruse it. I've got some links to other platforms I'm hoping to reactivate. We've got 11 issues of the magazine that we did up there. You can get them tonight. They're free. And uh, that's all I have to say. I want to thank those that have supported this program. God bless you. It allows us to keep this thing going. And uh, please uh, share these programs with a friend. It means a lot to get the word out, especially now in a time where censorship is at a fevered pitch. I've said it before. I'll say it again. We've lost nearly eight channels on YouTube because of censorship there. And it's going to get worse. Canada is shutting down alternative news. They just arrested a dude with Rebel News, someone pushed him into a diplomat. As part That was part of her security detail. They set him up. They hauled him away. They're coming for broadcasters in America and EU. It's getting more difficult to get the word out. So for that reason, I've taken the show off shore. Um, and uh, we're straight podcasting now. I'm going to try to get back into some of the social media platforms, but don't count on it. Uh, because with the censorship that's happened, I'm going to have to be very careful. And we're really just too volatile to make it happen again on YouTube. I'll see what I can do. But I just mentioned one wrong word, and bam, I get the message. Strike is next. Second strike, you're out. Third strike, you're out. So we need your help to get the word out about our podcast network and if you can help us advertise I appreciate it if you want to throw a couple coin into the the cup we can fuel this another day you can do it at omegamanradio.com God bless you all that's all I have to say love to hear some feedback from you you can email me at omegamanradio at protonmail.com I hope if you enjoyed tonight not only will you share the program but you'll drop Lawrence an email and um, let her know that you heard the show, you can put Omega Man in the subject line, and I'd love to get some great feedback from you. Okay, once again, I'll put the um, GoFundMe link right here in the show notes for you. God bless. We'll see you next time on Omega Man Radio. Good night.